process. My name is Keith Miller, where we talk about the intersection between creativity, art, and business. Seated across from me today is Esteban Valdez of Echo Bridge Pictures. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, The quick intro, I'm here in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida, hanging out with my boy, Steve. Um, Cheers to that. Absolutely, man. Good times. You know, what got me out here in the first place is, let me take a, is, um, I'm a writer. You know, I co-founded Rat Ronin Studios with Chuck Collins and Richard Zeitler. And, and pretty much we're like a genre concept studio. And what we do is, you know, we do comics and animation and stuff. And, you know, we create pop culture. And um, I came down to St. Pete to talk to Steve about, you know, collaborating and creating some further pop culture. And, you know, we figured, you know, we've been talking so much for the past couple of days in terms of, like, you know, everything from comics to film to, you know, literature and business practices. We figured, you know what, we got we to gotta codify this. We got we to gotta put this down on tape and we got to share it because, you know, um, folks, folks need to hear it. You know, I, I think it's valuable information because, you know, we're in very different places in our careers, you know, and both, you know, folks, guys who started companies and are, you know, are just trying to trying to make it, you know, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole artist entrepreneur. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the phrase now. Right. I mean, I didn't I don't know about you. But I didn't intend to end up being a, you know, a business man in that sense. I gotta tell you, man, I all I want to do is like write. I didn't even think I'd be interested in comics. I figured, you know what, I'm gonna be Harlan Ellison, and here it is now. You know, I'm in Florida talking, you know, studio collaborations with my friend. Yeah. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that. Being an artist, being a writer, being a filmmaker, a musician, you know, it's not enough these days. You just can't say that's what I want to do and call it a day, right? You've actually got to put in a lot of work to make ends meet. And I think we were we were chatting up earlier about, you know, the bohemian artist lifestyle, you know, and the sellout, right? Um, What's a bohemian? Actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I mean, you know, it's important, right? But, I mean, what the hell are our bona fides? Who the hell are we? And, you know, what what qualifies us to talk about about any of this stuff, right? So, you know, Stavon, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, what you do? All right. I have been in this industry since 2000. What industry would that be? This is the animation industry. Okay. And I worked in very various animation studios in and around Boston. Very different times because there weren't a lot of studios around at that moment either. And in 2010, I founded the studio Echo Bridge Pictures as a way of getting in some more freelance work for myself. Uh, and some of the projects that I've worked on, you know, through my studio has been Ugly Americans, My Little Pony, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, etc. You mentioned My Little Pony. Are you a brony? No. Okay. All right. Continue. It's an, inter- it's an interesting phenom, right? But hey, you know the East Sean. Not to any of the bronies out there. 
<laughs> who are listening. Hey, you know, I did some research on the Bronies. Um, and I actually blogged on them, speculative fictives at Tumblr.com. <laughs> um, and what I found about them is, like, you know, they're really just endearing guys. And the question comes down to, you know, so I, I think at least I probably, and then we're going to go back on is topic. Is this furries, though? Huh? Bronies and furries? Are they no, like, no, no, no. Yeah. Bronies are not furries, man. I think the big issue behind it is sort of like, you know, male sensitivity and, and guys sort of allow themselves to be sensitive. But let's go back to business. Bro. I <laughs> yeah, I know. Weird segue. You mentioned My Little Pony. So, you, yeah. so, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I've worked on a lot of various shows. I mean, we did the Garfield for the internet as well, and... Can you do yeah. uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles? I, I storyboarded the okay. first season. And, you know, my studio also did uh, Chosen with Floyd County on FX, Axe Cop, Gold Oh, Man. these are the recent lineups. Recent, recent lineups, yeah. Okay. So these are, these are projects that we worked on. So before that, you know, I was just an animator and an artist just struggling to make ends meet. Yeah, but you, like, what were your struggles? My struggles? Come on, I mean, you're living a dream. Right, you're animating, you know, you're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're doing whatever, you're doing like, you know, you're animating bronies, like you're living but, the life. But all, mean, that, all that stuff, all, all those projects came from the studio, right? Okay. Like my, my studio, which we've been working on, but before then, you know, I was, you know, I had written a, a graphic novel, it was a boxing novel called Round One, and I really tried to push that. I remember going to the, the Boston Comic Con a couple of times trying to see if anybody would want to pick it up as... As a book, you know, it's a complete graphic novel too. I did about 400 pages of it, and I remember giving this pitch, uh, uh, giving a pitch package to I can't remember the, the guy's name, but the last thing I remember is as he's leaving the con, he takes my pitch and he throws it in the trash. That's hard, you know. Whatever, whatever became of that like graphic novel? You still got it? Actually, it's. That's one of those stories where I was so fed up with everything because I couldn't. Oh no! Get, I couldn't get in. Are you about to break my heart? You're about to break my fucking heart, aren't you? I took, you did something you shouldn't have. I took all 400 pages. I threw it in the trash bin. Lighter fluid and a match, and I I burned. You went all waiting to exhale on your. I did, you know. The thing was is that I I. It was a story that was very personal to me, right? Because it was about, you know, a Latino boxer trying to make it up in the world, right? I, I was a big fan of John Ruiz before, you know, he started his downfall. But, you know, getting that, getting into that line, you know, coming in from, from nothing. Because I didn't grow up, you know, in the suburbs. I grew up in inner city Boston, right? It's all my brothers and sisters sleeping in one room, you know, at one point. And, you know, it, I didn't have such a, a solid foundation, you know, financially either. And... It's like most inner city. You're a hard scrabble. You, yeah. you do what you can, make things work, right? That's just the way it was. You, right. know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because inner city Brooklyn too. Right? Uh, yeah, I do hail from Brooklyn. I know exactly know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You know? So I mean, for 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 you know, for folks like us who grew up in that kind of environment, you know that not everybody makes it out. You know, it's a pro. It's an issue that's still around today. And, and you know, and you also know that when you have like our interests, you know, it's like you're in the closet reading your comics. Yeah. Make with that analogy what you will. <laughs> <laughs> the, but I mean, really, you know, I, trying to to make it as an illustrator as well. You know, trying to make a name for yourself. 
you know, you don't have enough money to pay your bills. You don't have enough money to pay your rent. You don't have enough money to eat. You don't even have enough money, you know, to get help. You know, you can't. I was trying to go to work. I mean, here's one of my struggles as as, as an artist and animator trying to you know, work in these small places. Sometimes people would get me to do some spec work, you know, for them, and I'd never get paid for it. And Oh, man, you know, that's, I mean, you know, I can, I can echo that. You know, how many um, pitches and submissions that I've written for folks? I've had, and I won't, you know, I, I did some work for some folks, written some scripts. With the idea, you know, spec, but with the understanding, like, I like what, you know, either the company or the guys were doing. And, you know, there's a sense of of investment. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a gamble, right? And uh, and only ever worked on things that I was kind of interested in, that I would gain some degree of pleasure or growth. And, like, you know, a lot of projects sort of, like, walked away. Nothing ever happened. You know, mm-hmm. it's all... You know, you put two, three works into a project, and you don't get paid, and it disappears. Yep. So, yeah, like, yeah, I know. I mean, you're trying, to, you're, trying, you're trying to make a living, you know? I mean, <laughs> dreams and aspirations don't pay rent, you know? They don't? No, they don't. You know, I think it's a... The idea of follow your dreams is actually a really bad idea. You know, it's not practical. Because wouldn't it be better to have a game plan or a business plan behind your dreams? So follow your dreams, but yeah, you know, but you, I mean, make sure you have an MBA. Well, you don't need an MBA. You just need an idea. But you need to have it written down. You know, what are you going to do? What are you? All going right, so to let's backtrack for a second. I, I'm, I'm I'm with you because you know we, we we came to that point where you know we we did the creative struggle. We sort of worked. Paid, not paid, you know, feast, famine. We'll get to that. So why don't you give us a little more concrete examples of, like, what it was, the hard scrabble of, you know, trying to make it as an animator. You know, the thing is... Or making it as an animator, but not making ends meet the way you want. It's, it's our industry, right? It's a... It's not a secure one for the most part. The one that it's secure for, you know, are the execs. Right is the studio owners, the producers, you know, who are in the, the studio system because they're constantly making stuff. They're making things happen. And for an artist, I mean, we're as an animator, you know, you're only on for a certain amount of time until it's done, and then you're out of work. You know, and with and the, that's how it is with television writers. Yeah, it, I mean, the way our economy system is nowadays, there is no job security. That thing. I mean, by the time we realized that there was no job security, job security already been gone for a while, and it only really just—it's like a bucket of water. You know, you see the water. Right, but you're but and, and 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 the thing is, you're um, in an industry that is not regulated, so there was no real sense of job security to begin with. Oh no, no, and, and you know, very few protections. Very, very little. But even with things like the Graphic Artist Guild and animation unions, I mean. I was part of the guild for a little bit, and it never turned any sort of benefit for me. You know, I'm just paying money out to, for what? You know, it was money I didn't have. You know, getting gigs that, that weren't paying me a dime. You know, and just, yeah, you know, always bumming off of people, you know, trying to make it. it just it, or, or guilds that, you know, try to protect, you know, some animators and artists. But with everybody going offshore... 
you know, throwing work up to Canada, to Korea, to Indonesia, India, China. I mean, the jobs itself are, are disappearing, you know, every single day. Right? So how did you how did you make the transition from from freelance and you know, so sit, sitting back and seeing all of your work and export it out? You know, the thing was, I was I wasn't even aware of it. Right, I had some idea that certain things were, were 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 going away, but I didn't know how much. Right, um, but I, I'll I'll tell you when I when I totally turned things around for me was I was working up in Canada, you know, as the animation director on a show called Three Delivery, and my visa was going to run out, you know, and I had, I had known that about eight months ahead of time. And so I started planning, you know, what I was going to do next. And I figured, oh, hey, you know, I got this, you know, director's credit, quote unquote, under my belt. You know, I can go out and try to get some, you know, gigs. And, and at that point, too, like, I, I'm not an egotist. I'm like, I'm a director. I have to direct. And, you know, I'd be like, dude, you want me to sharpen pencils or clean up, you know, drawings? I will do that. Like, Absolutely. I, 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 I don't make care. your bones, right? Got to. Got to. And so I had... Many, you know, interviews at places like Cartoon Network, uh, Nickelodeon, Disney, and all the all the big names, and nothing ever came of them, you know? I had an interview at Warner Brothers to do stuff for, for Green Lantern, and, you know, I've been back and was forth. It anima- was this the animated uh, yeah, movie? Yeah, an- animated or a movie. Oh. And, uh, you know, I was going to do storyboards on it, and a lot of people have been talking. And this is, this is in 2008, right? I've been in Canada for two years at that point. And the moment my, my visa runs out, I've been waiting to hear back from people. Like, am I going to get this job? Am I going to get this, you know, gig? Is it going to happen, you know? And no one calls me back. And then when I start, you know, hitting people, I'll be like, hey, so what's the deal? It's like, well, you know, we decided that we're putting things on hold. You know, as you might know, like, the economy's not doing so well. We're actually in the process of downsizing and letting people go. Wonderful. Right? So, I come back to the States in 2008, and for almost like a straight year, there was zero work. And what I had done was, I, I became sort of that, that, that actual freelancer, where it wasn't just freelancing for, for artwork, you know, or freelancing for animation work. I was freelancing, you know, trying to be a photographer for weddings and you know, newspapers, trying to write articles for the local papers or news review sites, um, babysitting, for crying out loud. You know, Were you animating to... porns? No. Okay. All right. There's a line. You're the, 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 okay. the, there's a certain line. Scruples, I guess. All right. okay. um, more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, I actually tried my hand at trying, you know, doing anything, everything, odd jobs, you know, whatever I could get my hands on in order to, to cover myself, Right. Because I got bills and loans and all that stuff, and you know the money runs out after a while. You know if you're not keeping it consistent, and I end up moving in with my parents. I had nothing else. You know my pockets are empty, right? And there was a, a, a moment where I actually, you know, because I play bass, and I and I I joined up with a jazz band that was in Boston. And I was like, I was making more money being a musician on a Thursday and Friday night than I would make it most months, you know? 
And I'm talking like just two hundred, three hundred dollars in the night. So that's five hundred bucks, you know, on those two days playing music. Well, the rest of the time I'm busting my ass, you know, just you know, just hustling, right? Right. And uh, I got in with with Ugly Americans, you know, as a senior animator doing keyframes on season one. I remember and, that stuff. You were selling me some of the yeah, yeah it, it, animatics you know, that, that that lasted a little bit, right? Um, My Little Pony stuff, you know, I was I was Echo Bridge at that time too. Okay, you know, but it, I didn't. It, I did it as a DBA, just because I, I heard something like, "Oh, yeah, you got." So for those of, for the folks out there who are not knowledgeable, what is a DBA? Doing business as what? And what's the distinction? Why do a DBA as opposed to just? Well, it's really there's no actual legal protection with the DBA. It just says that you know you're working under. A different name. Okay. Right? And, you know, the place that we were at was called Echo Bridge. And I just figured, hey, you know, maybe if I'm if I'm not using my name, you know, and I'm, I'm treating myself like a, a little business, maybe people might take me seriously. You know, or at least they wouldn't uh, stiff me on the bill so much. But that, that actually never, never happened. Plenty of people have stiffed me on the bill. And some people continue to stiff me on the bill. Which, now there's lawyers and accountants that kind of handle that part at this point but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move into that story a little later but um yeah so it was during the the 2008 2010 period it was just rough and tumble man because no no money no couldn't do anything you know i had met um relationships too you know trying to go out just have a decent time and i'm talking like just getting ice cream was, was a challenge you know right um, couldn't afford money to take the bus to, to even go to interviews. You know what I mean? It's just, you're that. Salad you're, days, man. Not even. You know, you found croutons <laughs> left over from from half-eaten salads, right? That's nutrition for you. But the, the thing was... Dry that, ramen. Yeah. You know, I had the, the light bill and the water bill shut off so many times, right? It's, just, it's real. It's real. And, uh, there was a point, too, where, you know, I was living with my parents, and they lost their, their home. I had to move into a small apartment. And uh, then my dad lost his job. And my mom, you know, their company decides, hey, we're going to shut down the Boston office. Everybody's going to get moved to Tampa. And I came to Tampa. And this is, and this is like, following 2008 economic collapse, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. A, it's just a series of unfortunate events, right? And so... Uh, I ended up down in, in Tampa, Florida around 2010. And I'm just, I came here kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be in, in Florida. Come on. Florida's got I, I, I remember. I was, I was the other, other li- yeah. end of the other line when you were explaining about, like, yeah, man, I don't want to fucking go to Florida. Right, you know. Tampa. But you know what? Uh, the moment I got to Florida, I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, just projects just land on my lap and it's like okay I'm, I'm gonna do this but first I gotta get smart about it because I've been doing something wrong the entire time right and as a struggling artist it's just I going through that feast or famine cycle I just can't do it anymore you know I just I can't I can't afford it you know it sucks being in that spot all the time where you're working for a month and then you got nothing for three or sometimes you're working for six months straight and then you got nothing 
And, and I knew that something was missing. What am I missing? I don't understand why this is happening. Right. And that's all just from the artist mentality, you know? So jump online, reading blogs, you know, reading actual business books on sales, marketing, on management. And, I mean, the intention wasn't to have a full-fledged studio like I got now. It was just, you know, how can I keep myself going, right? How do I stay afloat when everybody else is on that famine cycle? You know, how do I constantly stay on the feast mode, right? And, you know, I, I read a book by uh, Scott Gerber. I can't remember the name of the, the book, but, uh, you know, essentially it was like, you know, you got to have a game plan, you know. But he explained the, the process that, you know, some people when they're writing, you know, a business plan, they spend so much time on the actual plan that they never actually get to the actual business part, Right. And here I've got, you know, a client who's like, hey, so are we going to kick this off or not? You know, and it was to do a whole bunch of webs, you know, cartoons for them all at once. Right. And I knew that, you know, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this right. And one of the things that I learned is that, you know, you got to keep it simple. If you can explain a complex idea simply and to everyone else that it's understandable, then you know what you're doing. You understand it. And so my business plan was nothing more than a page. And within that page, it explained what the business is, what am I going to do, how am I going to drive revenue, how am I going to make sales, how am I going to stay afloat. Essentially, my, my game, my hustle plan. Right. You know? And so I got incorporated as a limited liability company. It was, it's different from a DBA, which has no protection. You know, an LLC actually gives you that buffer, that legal buffer, Right. And it adds adds some clout. So I'm gonna step in, um, and so like with a DBA doing business as, you announce to the uh, the community, the legal community, that you have the intent to form a business, and you're in a and you're acting as if you are, but you're not officially. You're just right. registering yourself as I'm doing business in this county mm-hmm. under this name. Right. So if anything happens, like, here is where, like, I'm registered, and this is where you can uh, serve me with notice. Right. As opposed to actually going in and deciding on um, a specific corporate structure and filing a limited liability corporation, right, incorporating, which provides you with a certain level of protection, right? Mm -hmm. So you form a company, in this case, Echo Bridge Productions, and you're taking on clients, you're doing work, and let's just say something goes south, right? Um, the clients are unhappy since they contracted with your company. Um, your company's liable, but you're not personally. personally. And, you know, and legally speaking, you're not liable personally unless you intentionally, you intentionally um, are a bad actor. Right. Then you're responsible. Yes. Okay. You so, know, but again, all of that legally you know, aside. Yeah, but but the the main point was is that I've got this notion now that if you really mean something, you know, put pen to paper, put money down, you know, really commit to something, you know, and again, you you stick with the plan, right? So having that that plan of how am I going to, you know, what am I doing? How am I going to make 
revenue from it? How am I going to market myself? You know, what what is what am I doing? You know, having that in mind, you know, from day one helped me make a solid contract from from that point. You know, I knew what was going to happen if the work got too much. Like, okay, I'm going to hire a freelancer to do this to help me out, you know, occasionally. I'm going to how am I going to market myself, you know, when I don't have work? How am I going to stay how am I going to constantly stay busy? So you made this like painful transition from being a freelance artist and sort of like, you know, watching your royal crumbles, you lose like your one major gig and you come back and then, you know, you move with your, like a lot of folks in our generation are doing, right? They're moving in with their folks to kind of make ends meet. Yeah. And then your folks hit on disaster and you're uprooted from Boston mm -hmm. and you're here in Florida and you, you start to make that shift. Yeah. I mean, I think you remember it was back in uh, 2006, right? Where I, I, I had come back from California because the company I was working for, they were transferring me back to New York, but it wasn't on like the best terms. You know, I came back personally with nothing. Right. You know, living in, you know, some hostel in Williamsburg before it got all nice and pretty, you know, and just uh, having to bum money off of people while I'm working a gig, right? Just, I mean, that's no way to live anymore. And, you know, with the, the, the whole, you know, issue with the industry now, like where, where you have wage fixing with Pixar and DreamWorks and Lucasfilms and, and Disney, I mean, and, and you know, was it Sony Pictures that isn't going to do any animation in the U.S. anymore, right? I mean, things are going away. I mean, it's vicious when you right. really look at it. It's, it's harsh. And you're either doing something for yourself or you're doing something for, for someone, you know, that isn't you. And one of the, the, the reasons why I also, you know, started a business, because this comes from a creative point, you know, I, I want to make films. You know, I want to do my work. I want to do what I've been dying to do for a long time. You know, I pitched to other companies, I pitched to other studios, I pitched, you know, certain places. Again, that's money out of my pocket flying to L.A., flying to New York, you know, just, just constantly and getting nowhere, you know. It, it's just tiring, right? And for what? For, for some exec to say, hey, you know, this is a really, you know, cool project, but we need to change it in order to make it marketable for ourselves. I mean, you have the internet at this point for self-distribution. Who needs people like that anymore? Everything is going to the net. You know, it's the way we do things now is so completely different from the way it was in 2000. You know, so completely the way it was in the 90s, right? I mean, people have the ability to make their own enterprise, their own franchises for, for pennies on the dollar. No one does it. Well, you know, I can speak from, and I see that, and, you know, it's available, we see it on the, you know... YouTube. YouTube, right? Kickstarter, folks are, go, are, are moving for, from traditional funding sources to crowdfunding. Um, I know this from just walking around the, the aisles and just being in Artist Alley. You know, the amount of independent publishers... And just creative artists and writers who are just working on their own projects and just putting it out there and no longer solely relying on, you know, the big companies. 
Yeah, yeah. because because he, you know the big companies aren't necessarily looking um, for for like new independent content, mm-hmm. right? And and some of the larger you know more independent companies, you know, they're starting to focus a little bit more on you know sort of like more name talent. So you know, well, the rest, they're they're thinking on a franchise level, absolutely right? name recognition. And what you and you know what you bring to their their brand. So a lot of you know artists and writers just are collaborating and putting out and, and find that you know what, like you said, the technology and you know the distribution apparatus is there for you to create your own work and immediately reach your audience. Yeah, it's just the the thing is you know everybody's still so reliant on old systems. Right, that you have to have an office, that you have to have an agent, that you have to, you know, do things through a studio. You have to do things through a, a name distributor. But you know, if if you've got drive, if you've got hunger, I mean, like your belly's just grumbling for something. You know, you've got the desire to do what you have to do. I mean, look at the guys on YouTube for crying out loud, like Raptor, right? Look at the hits and followings he's making. I mean, he's just doing fan art for crying out loud. I mean, where's the original stuff? I don't, if he was to do original stuff, maybe something would come out of that. But, I mean, there are people who make money, you know, living off of YouTube, people who make money off of eBay, people, you know, just... I mean, it's all over the place. It doesn't just have to be animation, right? People who are selling their books directly through on Amazon. So you, you make know? an argument for new media and the use of new media, you know, when you're thinking about... And when, you know, you're creating and taking advantage of new media and all these other new distribution outlets, yeah. you know, for your creativity, I which mean, is essential. Right. But the, the high, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because going on that direction, you know, it sounds, you know, amazing and fantastic that you have that much control over what you're doing. But on the backside of that is it also opens the floodgates to all kinds of crap. Drek. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it's that's one of those areas where now you it's really the the testing ground or the proving ground. You know, you've got to work harder than everybody else. You know, I know way too many people who rely on on freelancing sites to get work, and they're working for like five bucks a second. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. No one should be paid that lower rate. And be able to, you know, hold their head up with some form of dignity. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, Yet but then, they, but then, I mean, but that takes it back to before you started Echo Bridge, where you were that guy who was struggling just to make ends meet, and you know, eating dry ramen noodles and you know, picking at the crust the croutons, right? So, who's to say that you know that guy working for five dollars a second on on whatever project is you know not struggling and trying to service his own basic needs. But you find yourself in a different position. You're not that guy. Not anymore. You know, you you, you, you form an up and coming, you know, animation studio and you move from providing services to now actually getting into like the creative more of a creative end. Um, you know can you talk about that? Like that ship from you know well, you know, I doing creative for that sh- the ship that you made specifically from 
um, providing services mm. and doing animation and doing storyboards, you know, for clients that, to well, doing your own thing. The plan from day one was to do my own films. However, in order to do your films, you need money. Plain and simple. Money is the grease between the gears. Okay? Money is what makes the world go round. I mean, I think that's just sort of the, the underlying thing, right? Got to pay collaborators. Yeah, and the problem with a lot of artists is that, you know, when you say the word sale or money or business, it's taboo. Right? To be an artist and to say those things is just, ugh, how, how dare you say that, you know, about being an artist and trying to make a living and earning wages, etc. It's just like, the magical freelance yeah. fairy is going to come down and sprinkle cash dust all over you. And yeah, it's, it's, you're going to be completely compensated just for being an awesome artist or writer or yeah, creator. Yeah, that's, that's, right? that's bullshit, right? People come out, I mean, that's the problem with, with, with you know, folks who go to the cons with their portfolios. They think they're going to come up and, and say, I'm going to walk But that's through. not bullshit. That's important. That's part of the process. It's, it's part of the process, but what my, my bullshit... And, you mu- and, and, and the thing is, you bullshit. must go to the cons with your portfolio. You must talk to the editors. You must show your but, face. But the right? bullshit part you of it... You did that. I did it, and it wasn't working. And I'll tell you why it wasn't working. It didn't work for you, but it'll probably... Yeah, but and it won't work for like 50 other people, but, but, but it'll work for you, that one guy. I will tell you why, I'll tell you why it didn't work, and I'll tell you why it doesn't work, and why, for a lot of people, it doesn't work, right? It's because... You're there with everybody else at this point who's trying to do the same thing. That's pretty. That's one of you know Hollywood's biggest problems right now. Everybody in the fucking world is flocking over to Tinseltown in order to get a job. Okay, you've got a million animators and artists who are trying to break, just break in and break ground. Uh, bear with me on this one, right? And so, in order for you to stand out, in order for you to get recognized, right, in this industry, especially, it's it's really about all about who you know. You've heard it time and time again. It's a true fact. You know who do you know? And the people who have the better connections are the one who's going to make it even quicker than everybody else who's trying to get it. Right now, when you're going to these cons, okay, and it's not to say that it it doesn't work, but I mean, you look at the ratio of success that comes out of it. I mean, somebody thinks they're going to go to the con and, and walk out with a contract equal to J. Scott Campbell. That's not going to happen. My point exactly, but that's that's the aspiration to it. But what but the makes is, but the I mean, no, no, thing, no, 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 stands out the most is you have a book. Okay, that's part of the process, what's, what's right? Problem? You go <laughs> and you try to get in, you try to make it, and if you're like, I mean, you know, we're pulling these numbers and these figures out of our ass, right? Because we could, we may not be on point, but <laughs> you're one in a one out of fifty. But think about who's this. But here's the What's deal. more impressive? Here's, no, no, if somebody walks up to you with a portfolio or if somebody walks up to you with a book and say, hey, look, here's a book that I did. You know, here's a book. This is proof positive that I you can know, that's, do what that's, you're that's looking for. That's, right? that's where the industry is going. But you know what? I want to I kick it back over to a little <laughs> bit about the intersection between creative and the business. Because we're two guys sitting at the table who've gone at the cons, right? And while you were talking to – while you were showing a portfolio and, and the books – I was talking to editors, right? You were talking and to editors, right? I was talking to editors. And you know what? We're one and, um, you know, we were part of the 50. We weren't We weren't that one. We didn't get that, like, you know, Campbell check or Campbell <laughs> contract, right? You know, I, I didn't get the, 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 the Robert Kirkman love, right? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> because I'm in St. Petersburg talking to you. Yes. Right? 
Here's the other part, right? When, when but but we're the guys play. who didn't get there. We're, we're the guys who didn't get that contract. However, we're also the guys who, just, who, who took a step back and said, you know what? That may not be the route for us. But you know, and we're okay. making our own, and we make our own way. But well, you can say that. But my way is really, you know, you look at what it is, what it's become. It's, at least for me, it's a big fuck you. Yeah, but right? you know what? Let's no, 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 here's, here's my reason, right? I mean, okay, I mean you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. markets in New York. You've got oversaturated markets in LA. You've got oversaturated this, that, and the third, and really. You know, when you... When entertainment think, markets, to be specific, right? Hmm? You're talking entertainment. Right? Entertainment markets, okay. uh, in, in, just specifically, right? But the, the point is this, right? When, you, when you're out there, you know, trying to solicit, solicit yourself out in the cons, right? You know you have to do more than what everybody else is doing, okay? And you know that nowadays, it's just not enough to have a portfolio and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. It's not enough to just have a script and say, this is what I'm writing, right? You've got to come up and say, here's what I've actually got to show you. Now, that all ties back in, you know, St. Pete, Florida. Who the fuck is that? Where the fuck is that on the map, right? Well, you know, for the last four years, we've got this studio that's been doing primetime television work, right? We're that's not, what I'm saying. We're not, we're not in L.A. because really fuck L.A. And not in New York. And as much as I love New York, Wait, can, we, can we go back? Can we go back and can we get a repeat on that? What was that about LA? I said fuck LA. I, I tend to agree. Downtown LA sucks ass. Okay, continue. I mean, it's not to say that you know people in LA itself you know are terrible. Uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, I lived there for for a year and I, I pretty much had a Wait, Michael no, Douglas no, no, let's, moment. Let's, let's, at let's that be point. nice. We're not going to go ahead. We're not. We're not attacking. <laughs> The population of Los Angeles. So we're, we're talking about the industry here. The culture. Okay. This this is the this is the thing, right? All right. So St. Pete, like, who the hell knows what, where, what is that place? And you're doing all this incredible, amazing work. Yeah. Right. You're 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 that like part of the of the you know you're like part of that 49 that that didn't get the con love, but now you're doing something like amazing, right? Because you know, the guy that goes in, that one person that got the contract, they got the nod, you know, they're the feast and famine phase, right? Yeah. They're working at the whims of editors. They're working at the whims of the industry. Whereas you're looking to actually, you know, sort of be a little bit more in the industry. Right, you know, I, I love animation. I love filmmaking, right? It's... It's not to downplay the industry or, or anything like that, you know, because the love comes from there too, right? But I look at, at these places, it's just like the cons, you know, I was looking at what people were trying to do, you know, everybody's doing the same thing. You know, everybody's trying to line their portfolios, line their scripts, you know, line their demo reels, and it's the same process, right? And I'm looking at everybody who's doing, you know, that, that that same song and dance over and over again, and I just decided, no, I'm going I'm going that way, you know. But, right, but the song and dance part of the process got to do it. I disagree. You know, I disagree for. You can disagree now because you're in the position where you can disagree, but you were there and you were doing the same song. I was saying dance, but that's why I disagree with it because you know. But you wouldn't. I, I, I submit. I submit you wouldn't be at the point now if you didn't do that song and dance. If you didn't get the rejection. Right? And, and if you didn't work it was, the well see that was the thing. It was it was the rejection part that came out of that, right? But let's, let's think about it. Have you ever seen but, Dirty Jobs with Micro? 
Uh, no. I'm familiar with it. I Are know. you familiar with it? Oh, well, like the worst possible jobs you can have. People would think they're the worst possible jobs in the world, but when you, you actually... If you, he has a TED Talk up there, and you listen to, to this talk about following your dreams, etc. And he's like, you know, he was talking about pig farmers and what they had to do for to make a living, right? And while everybody else is going out and you know, become a lawyer to become, you know, a doctor or an athlete or whatever, these guys are deciding, well, you know, people need, you know, pig products, you know, etc. And I'm just going to take in a, a different direction. Go where no one else is going. Do what no one else is doing. And... Even though these jobs are quote unquote dirty jobs, right? These dudes are making a fortune. They're making a killing. Dude, plumbers make yeah. a lot. You know, it's doing the things no one wants Electricians to do. Electricians so, do well. A good electrician. So I apply the that. carpenter does yeah. well. So yeah, these but are all. They, I mean, you just go a different direction than everybody else. And I think that's, you know, 99% of the folks are, are jumping. You know, to Los Angeles, you know, overpopulating the, the, the marketplace, not just in terms of, of animation, but in terms of, you know, real estate, right? The economy gets inflated, etc. There's a whole, you know, list of, of, of things that, that continue to rise up. I mean, it's just the domino effect for one, for one industry, right? And then you got a place like St. Pete, Florida. It's quiet, it's chill. I mean, you, you've been here. It's not an not entirely small city. You know, it's a mid-sized city. It's got enough amenities here to keep you going, right? It's affordable. That's another part. And, I mean, I just decided to run with it. I said, you know what? Everybody's going to L.A. Everyone's going to New York. You know, everyone's going here, going there. Well, um, the other West Coast equivalent would be Portland. Yeah. Well, right, let's not let's not talk about geographic location. Let's <laughs> talk about, you know, you moving from... Fulfilling client needs to doing creative. Let's talk about some of like one of the major creative projects coming out of your studio now, which is Mike and Wayne. Okay, what is Mike and Wayne? Mike and Wayne is a short film about two idiots who try to make it big by robbing liquor stores. And what they don't know is that the liquor store is just lined with the best defensive system in the world and an incredibly crazy liquor store manager who runs it. And the idea was birthed. You know, years ago, these two guys live in my sketchbook, but they're also based off of two friends of mine from, from high school who used to do, you know, the same thing. Come up with schemes and ideas to to make things happen, but, you know, weren't always the brightest bulbs on, on the Christmas tree. But, um, you know, it's... We had been... In the early days of the studio, you know, again, it's like one of those things, I, I wanted to do my own projects, I wanted to do my own films. I didn't always want to do client work. <laughs> But, you know, I knew well enough that in order to do my own projects, I had to get the money from somewhere. And so I've been saving and, you know, I, I modeled the business to be profitable, which is a different you know, scenario that we can talk about afterwards. But, um, you know, Mike and Wayne, in order, in order to get that project off the ground, you know, we used the, the profits that the studio had to fund it. Right, and the wonderful thing about that is, you know, I wasn't beholden to anybody else. I could do whatever I wanted with Mike and Wayne, uncensored. You know, there's a lot of things that that happen that, you know, if I had brought this to an investor or something, they'd be like, "Oh, you can't really do that. I don't like that." You know, if I had done, if I had constantly done the test screenings and whatnot, you know, they'd be like, eh, "I don't really think that's funny." You know, but I mean, who's a better judge of quality? You know, people who haven't seen it or don't know what it is. Or you, the one who's making it, you know? Well, and 
the the with Mike and Wayne, you know, it was just having that creative freedom to just do whatever the fuck we wanted. Well, okay, you know? so here's the thing. Um, I've been in your studio now for, like, a good part of the week, and I was able to get a sense of, you know, a, a, a window into your the creative process behind some of the going on with, like, Mike and Wayne. But, you know... I, and aside, so you know, as uh, one one of the the main creators of uh, at, you know my lo- my company, Rat Run Studio, what I do is I write. You know, mm-hmm. um, I come up with a book called Aspects. Aspects, uh, Trevor Tales. Yeah. Um, you know that that comes out of a studio as well as Chuck Collins. Dread Society X, and I have a, another book that's being worked on by the incredible Steve Walker, Infest. The zombie apocalypse begins in the uh, South Bronx. What do you know about that? <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, a lot of what happens for me, you know, because this is the process where we break down sort of like the inner workings of like, you know, how we come to create the things that we create, whether they're like works of art or whether in fact, you know, the scope of our businesses. That being said, you know, the process of producing a comic is I'll have a conversation with the, I have an idea, I have a conversation with the artist. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit, you, you know, and I'll sit down and actually, you know, however long it takes for me to produce it, I'll write the script. I give it, I hand it off to the artist, the artist read it. Then we sit down and we kind of talk about, like, you know, we collaborate about what some of, like, the, the visual aspects that the artist sees in the, uh, the writing. And the artist goes back and we'll we'll knock out you know some thumbnails and some roughs, and then we'll have a little bit more conversation. Now, myself personally, um, I'm very easy when it comes to that because I want the artist to have um, a, a, a strong sense of commitment and involvement, yeah. and involvement in, in in the process because they're co-creators, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm also and, I, and I'm always pleased to just sort of give off the reins and like. You know, I'm always amazed by like what I get back from the artists, right? So it's it's definitely sort of like um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a top down process, but it definitely begins with me and like the wee hours of the night, putting in the time and the effort, writing, and then giving it to the artists, and then seeing what they come up with, right? right? So it goes down the line, then it gets kicked back up the line and go down. Mm-hmm. What I saw in your studio, really, is um, you know, it, it, it seemed to be like a collaborative process, right? right. Um, you know, like you, I've written screenplays, um, and I've written television proposals as well as television scripts. And you know, the the, the breakdown of a sitcom is, you know, you you have the main conflict in an episode, right? But the thing is, you know, before that main conflict, it can even be addressed. There are these little micro issues that, that appear, micro problems, right? Problem solutions, exactly. That that you know that that lead up incrementally to you know the climax, and then and then you know as you you know it goes down towards the the resolution, right? So I was seeing some. I, in fact, I was able to witness um, a bit of the process behind you know. You creating content for, you know, Mike and Wayne. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's um, with Mike and Wayne. 
you know, again, it has that, that old MGM feeling, right, of Tom and Jerry, etc. And one of the things that I, I kind of have this nerdism about is studying other studios and how the old studio systems work. And, and something that I noticed was uh, with Popeye, you know, the old Fleischer studios, is that the animators would actually get together and, you know, come up with the visual gags for the narrative. And with Mike and Wayne, you know, when I so the first script that we wrote, because we're actually in, pro, you know, in pre-production for the next five episodes, and what, what I had done was, you know, I wrote down an outline of what I wanted the overall story to be, and I did play a heavy hand in, in storyboarding, etc. But working with you know other artists in my studio. For the most part, you know, we're, we're kind of a typical production house too. You know, some days or some project we could be, you know, up at the 30, 40 range for artists and animators. And, you know, then the rest of the time we're down to the skeleton crew of 10, right? And it's such a collaborative environment for us. I mean, everybody has to be able to do everything. You know, no one can just do, you know, oh, I'm just going to be a background painter. I'm just going to be an animator. I'm going to be a designer. I'm just going to be bored. It's like, no, you have to be able to do everything. And, you know, that was from day one at the studio. It's like, that's, everyone's got to play multiple roles, multiple parts. And when it came to Mike and Wayne, all of that came together. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to put together, you know, a, a funny project. Let's, let's put our heads together and see what we can come up with. And rather than just... So you brought them into the process. You brought them to the creative process. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, did the, I did the early designs... And I did the, you know, the script writing, and I even did a lot of, I established the art direction early on, too, because it's easier when you can do things yourself and, and you know what it, what it takes to get there. Like, because when I was, I was drawing the, the opening exterior shot in Mike and Wayne, and I took down notes as I was doing it, you know, and so when I was done, I could pass it on to everybody and say, here's what we're, here's how I did the background. You know, when I was, you know, drawing and, and a, you know, designing Mike and Wayne, I took down notes and said, here's how to do Mike and Wayne. So you right. brought the, you brought your staff into the writer's room. Yeah. From the, from the beginning. From Joe. Okay. okay. You know, and said, here's, here's my idea. And then everybody would contribute, right? And we'd all sketch up ideas and stuff and whatever was the funniest you know, that was, I mean, for us anyways, what really made us laugh, that's what we kept in, you know. And I mean, it's, it's, this one, it's really a piece with everyone's personal touch in it, you know. And part of being a director, it's not necessarily that you have to be the best board artist or you have to be the best animator, the best this or best that. But you need to be able to know how to pull that out from a good artist, from a good board artist, from a good background painter, from an animator, etc. And be able to lead them, you know, in, in unison, you know, and march, and go past the finish line together, right? And everybody's on board, everybody's motivated. And because I've also opened up the creative process too. You know, I give them parameters like this is what Mike and Wayne is about. You know, here's what they do, here's what they don't do, work with it. And letting people contribute creatively gives them a sense of ownership and independence because, you know, I'm not one to, 
to constantly harp them, like, do this, do that. You know, I want it this way, I want it that way. Maybe when it comes to the final product and I'm giving notes, you know, I can be a little ridiculous. But it's all for a good cause. Right. To, to, to make the best thing they've ever made. You know, I mean, for me, the studio is, you're only as good as your last project. If your last project was ass, that's it. You know, we constantly have to keep raising the bar. You know, and Mike and Wayne is one of those where we really lifted that bar up high and we gave it all we got. You know? And, you know, I mean, from you actually sending me the link uh, a couple weeks ago, or actually a couple months ago, and watching it, I was like, you know, I mean, it's incredible. Um, you guys did a really good job for, you know, a, a small, rough and tumble, scrappy studio. You put these, you know, you scrappy. Not crappy. <laughs> Want to be clear, you you produced um, some really good. I want to say broadcast broadcast quality programming. Um, when's it drop? Uh, it's gonna drop August twelfth. Okay. Now um, that's a Tuesday. I'm gonna drop the first thing in the morning. Excellent. So you now, got some stuff to do while you're at work. <laughs> exactly, and it's safe for work. Not safe for work. Okay, it's not safe for work. So which means you should still watch it while you're at work. Absolutely. Well, lets you know kind of like, um, I have no filter, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's not porn, then I would probably watch anything at work. That's not true. No, because, I mean, people still jump on, like, BuzzFeed and animated GIFs or Reddit and yeah. 4chan, I guess. I'm all about Reddit. I've never actually gone to 4chan. I don't get 4chan. I'm not... You're, you're a lucky man. You've been to 4chan? Once. What is, what, what is it, really? Uh, it's life-scarring. Why? I, I don't want to talk about it. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hurt as bad as, like, 3 o'clock in the morning falling down the internet rabbit hole and just going to sites and just realizing... How the hell did I get here? But you yeah. know, we're, we're we're going off topic. That's a um, dark. That's a dark rabbit hole. I think. Evolved. Three o'clock in the morning, you got nothing to do, and you're on the internet. Man, nothing good ever comes of that. No. Ever. Thankfully, the mind is developed in ways in which it, it is where the brain allows you to forget things that are just too <laughs> painful for you. Alcohol helps. Alcohol helps too. <laughs> that bad, huh? Damn, four chan. I'm gonna stay the hell away because you're a pretty dark guy. If you're telling me that you're scarred. Okay, so, um, you've got a great bunch of folks at your studio, very talented, very committed, um, very funny. Um, so, like, it's clear there was a process that you, as, you know, the owner of Echo Bridge, went through when you were looking at choosing people to work with you, and also, and, and, you know, and then choosing people which to, that you align yourself with and you collaborate with. What are some of your ideas? What are some of your thoughts with um, choosing folks you work with? How do you do that? What is your process in choosing people to work with? I mean, I I don't work with a lot of people that I don't know. So, if, if someone who had interned with us, you know, they they kind of see the way we, what I expect, right? Um, and people that I had worked with, you know, in the past. You know, who come on board and help out. They know the type of person I am. I mean, I don't just walk away from a project. I'm actually still involved pretty heavily in the stuff we do. 
Right. You know, I just... I think as far as uh, the studio goes, it's important that we still have some form of uh, a signature, you know, that says, oh, hey, you know, this is, this looks like it came from that studio, right? Because our work ranges all different styles, you know, and it's not just, you know, line and colors. I mean, we, we do a lot of things with like colored pencils and different mediums. It's still the same, but, you know, we have to do something that says, hey, that actually feels like an Echo Bridge project. And when it comes to, to bringing in folks, it's, you know, they they either interned with me and they, they kind of went under that apprenticeship where they see how things are done. You know, they know what, what the expectations are or people I've worked with before. Um, the other part that I look at, too, is, you know, I, I don't want average. You know, I want someone who, who's got something to prove. You know, I want someone who who's like, yo, I, I got the drive to do this. Someone who's going to on their own time, know that, you know, I'm going to get in early before you because I want to. And I'm going to stay later than everybody else because I, I want to make this work. I want, I want this to succeed. You know, I want my place here. I mean, as a business owner, like, I, I don't want to have to hand, you know, hold hands all the time, right? I mean, I, I find people who do have the skill, but also people who you know, are responsible, you're, I hire adults. You know, I don't supervise. I mean, as you've been in the studio, you know, I don't tell people when to come in. I don't tell people when to leave. I don't tell people, hey, take your lunch or you took too long or whatever. It's, you know, you're an adult. You can, it's a very open environment. Yeah, you can manage yourself, you know. And what I've noticed about your, you know, your staff is that they come in and everyone's just machines. They're at their desk. You know, and, you know, there is, uh, there is laughter and... Yeah. Oh yeah, we all get along. I mean, that's that's part of the the occasional jokey joke. <laughs> Yay, we all are happy here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, everybody's got to get along. You know, I, the culture is a really big, important thing at the studio. But one of the things that we're also known to is, you know, being at the studio is optional. You don't have to be there to do the work. Yeah, you discussed that. It's part of your yeah. You know, it's part of the business, business model. model. You know, I mean, that's why. We've been able to blow up, you know, from the, the 10 that we have in-house to, you know, 40 artists and animators across the state, you know, and Canada. Can't forget Canada, right? And just being able to have that, that respon- personal responsibility, you know, well, our motto is use your best judgment. You know, you're an adult. You should know right. how to manage yourself, right? And if you don't know how to be an adult, I mean, you're still living with your parents at that point. You know, you can't take care of yourself. You can't take care of yourself. How do you expect to take care of the work that comes in? You know? So, I mean, you, 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 so you're looking for folks who have leadership qualities, who have something to prove. They got the fire in the belly, mm-hmm. right? Um, so those are like, you know, employees. Obviously, they've they've got some talent. Yeah, they've got they've got they've got the skill. You know, they they put in the work. They've got something there. So you you want people who have. We have the skill, fire in the belly, and a willing to just go to that extra yeah, I want people, and I want, who, who want to be leaders. Yeah. I mean, because my, my thing is, you know, even though it, it's a, it's a one-man op at the moment, you know, I've trained people, you know, taught people and, and mentored, you know, folks how to do the things I do, right? And that gives them 
you know, added leadership abilities to take on things on their own. So if I get a project in, you know, I can pass it over to my producer and be like, hey, because our producers don't just, you know, sit behind a spreadsheet. They also animate and paint and design and board. They're creative. They're, they're creative, you know. So essentially, I'm, I'm the studio is full of producer directors, you know, and anybody can do anything at any time as well. You know, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong army right there. You don't need to have this huge regimen because I also think that's one of the other issues in this industry is that, you know, everybody's hired to do a specific thing and that blows up budgets, you know, blows up uh, workspaces, it blows up all this, you know, it, it bloats the production rather than saying, you know, I can do much more with a lot less quality, you know, with, with a lot less people. So how do you choose? So you, 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 you have your... Um your employee collaborators, right? Mm -hmm. How do you choose people that you collaborate outside your studio? From projects outside your studio? It's really about, like, what, what they believe in, right? Like, if, if, they're, if they believe in their project and they think this project is something that is worthwhile to them, mm -hmm. you know, I can get... And I can get behind it, too, right? I mean, that's something I want to be a part of. I mean, we do a lot of the service work for, you know, networks and other studios just because that's what, what keeps... You know, the light's running, right? But keep the fires burning. Yeah, you know, keep the coals going and, and all that stuff. But, you know, the thing that I love doing is when we get a project that we're going to do soup to nuts. You know, because we got that ability to take everything from script to screen. Right. And when we can do that, you know, it's like how I did it with Mike and Wayne. You know, I let the artists and the animators be involved in the creative process. And so that brought a sense of ownership, right? And when you have that sense of ownership, you're just going to bring your A game, you know. And that's how we are. But and I think and I think that's great, right? Um, you know, it's like one of the reasons why I like working with you. But and this isn't like a, a shameless plug. Like I love you, game, <laughs> because we know we know you do. But like, how do you choose those projects that you're going to work on, soup to nuts, beyond economics? Because what I'm hearing from you is. There's, you know, the studio stuff that you do in, in terms of, like, the major studio clients. Mm -hmm. And then there are the projects that you take, those other projects that you take on, which may not pay as much as the studios, but, you know, you, you get on board because there's something there. And, and what are those projects? Well, you know, can I toss out Damien's? Yeah, I'm gonna, all right, I'm going to toss some love to Damien and his boy Zach, right? So we're working on a project called Task for these, these guys. And, you know, it, the rate we're giving them is a friend rate at this point, right? But the story that they've got is amazing. And the way I see that bill is like, I, I got to get a piece of that. And not only that, too, but, you know, when they allow that creative freedom, they say, hey, look, here's the parameters. I want you to go to town. You know, you give me the space, I will, I will take it all up, you know? I... Because I got stuff to prove myself, right? I'm in St. Pete, Florida. I'm really the only game in town. You know, I'm not just competing, you know, with a, a studio in Orlando. You know, I'm, I'm competing with New York companies. I'm competing with, you know, L.A. companies. I'm competing with, you know, Canadians. I'm competing with people in the U.K. It's a global economy, and you got to stand out. you got to do your best. And I, I, I love, you know, their project. The task is a great property. Right, and essentially they said, "Hey, go to town, enjoy, you know, do what you do best." 
And for me, it's like, okay, I'm now it's all on me. It's whatever happens, it's my fault. You know, my name goes on that, right? And I don't do things cheap. You know, I I will I will throw everything I got at it because I like I, I said earlier, you know, for, to me, you're only as good as your last project. You know, if, if your last project sucked. I mean, what does that say? Because not, I mean, people's memories... It works for Yui Bo. Hmm? It works for Yui Bo. (laughs) 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 But, I mean, like, if if your last project was just a hit, you know? I mean, that's just... That's not to say that you can just, you know, ride that high for a little bit. But now that means that, you know, you've raised the bar a little bit more. Which means now you got to top it. Well, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing, right? You always have to be on the ball. Exactly, and you know, I, I, I still got something to prove. You know, I feel like no one's really paying attention to us. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know how many people are, are you know, are aware of us. But I feel like I need people. Well, more people are going to be aware of you. Yeah, soon, right? I, I mean, that's part of my marketing plan has been to let the work speak for itself. The work's got to be that good, you know. And, and the only thing I'm here to do is say, hey, I'm here. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. But let the work talk, right? And really, for the last four years, that's how we've been in business for so long. You know, many people have opened up their doors, you know, the same time we have, closed up six months later, right? Even people that we had been working with, we watched them, you know, burn up with the quickness. And, you know, I I feel like sometimes... They don't have that passion. They don't have the drive to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I got to do. You know, maybe there's some insecurities or something that I'm trying to... Or maybe they have the drive and, but, you know, the the business knowledge or the business preparation or the roadmap is missing. Maybe. I I don't know. Who knows, right? I mean, you'd you'd have to do a study of it. And at this point, do either of us have time to do it? Absolutely not. You know, um... My process of working with people is in collaborating is I want to work with folks who are like you like you say, you know, they have got something to prove. There's a fire in the belly, you know, they love what they do. Most importantly they have an idea of of just how stories work. Mm-hmm. You know, visually, um, and just, you know, they have an idea of, you know, story beats. And um, and I take it as axiomatic that you know they've got their stuff together in terms of whether you're a writer, whether you're an art or an artist. You know, I take it that you already come to the table and you're already capable, right? But the thing that stands out for me is you talked about having some prior knowledge or you know knowing knowing them, you know, um, knowing your collaborators. For me, I got to know you. You know, we got we have to have a a relationship. I got to be able to spend time in a room with you and not want to stab you in the throat, <laughs> right? Put it so eloquently. I, well, you know, I listen. You but know, see, that's that's, that's part of it, right? Right? It, it's like being able to just joke around like that, right? Yeah. Some people they won't they won't know. It's like, oh man, he really really wants to kill me or something. Right? It's, it's, it's this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's such a violent black guy. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like you know, in the studio, you're hearing us ramble. You know, I mean, we really have a—I don't know—we have any 
censorship or bars or something like that. No, 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 no. Totally you know, flowing. yeah, like you, you have, you know, I gotta have a rapport. I gotta, yeah. You, you know, gotta be, you, you gotta be able to work together. You know, you gotta be able to like each other and, and be able to be frank about things. You know, because if you can't do that. I mean, because that's the problem with a lot of people. So, like, if you're if you're walking on eggshells, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like okay, this, that's one you're of holding yourself with, back. It's one of my problems with like you know comments on the web. You know, when someone throws up artwork, never and, ever ever read the comments. I was given that advice. Never. Yeah, but I, just to, to go along with it, you, you never know, read the comments. <laughs> don't, don't read the comments. But here, you know, when someone's posting up stuff, everyone's like, "Yeah, thumbs up, hey man, it's good," or "Yeah man, it sucks," but it's never really constructive. Right? I mean, if comments were actually, you know, said, hey, you know, this was good, this, that, and the third could have been better, you know, maybe next time you try it this way, it might help you out, right? If, if it's useful, I mean, maybe, but... Yeah, but most of the time, they're talking about your moms, or it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, some racist diatribe. But but all the same, you know... Or linked to, uh, you know, uh, you know, the newest diet fad. Yeah. yeah but, so. I mean, the, the point is, like, if... if the only thing you're ever going to do is just pay compliments to somebody, right? And it never really helps them. I mean, they could their stuff could be absolute shit, and you never say it to them. I think that's a disservice. But if you're able to, you know, get along with one another, and, and you know, we got that rapport. When aspects were coming on, you're like, hey, man, yeah, I don't know about that page. Maybe we need to spice that up a little bit more, right? And you just talk straight. I, maybe that's just the Northeastern in me. We've got to get to the point. Well, right? let's talk about that for a second. So, I came down to uh, St. Pete to talk about us collaborating. A long time ago, I wrote this, um, a, a graphic novel entitled Aspects. And, you know, the, the, the quick elevator sketch, <laughs> sketch or pitch for the project is Ken and Blue are respectively um, Hoogan and Wetzel Um <laughs> I know it's like a mouthful, right? <laughs> ah, like, that's just wrong. Is that appropriate? That that all of a sudden this podcast became inappropriate. No, um, it's probably been inappropriate for for most folks. I mean, because if you think well, half the things you said, probably somebody's ears are bleeding. They're like, oh my god, t- why are they talking about this? It's just oh my god. And the other one's I mean, talking start, about stabbing someone in the throat. Hey, Bronies, man, you got to show them some love. Hey, I was showing them love. Bronies get love. I mean, even even they misunderstood. Even tie the bring around you. You know, a little furry talk. Too. Well, you you talked about the furry. You you were talking about tickling the furry. No, no, no I don't think so. Furry. T- <laughs> we're, you we're, didn't we're, talk about tickling furry taint. No? no. Okay, I think, so I think we're okay on that one. Okay, no. Let's, let's. So aspects. <laughs> Basically, you follow Ken and Blue, and they are the Ken is the aspect of Hugin, which is the raven of thought that stands over the shoulder of Odin and. Blue is Wetzel Council, the Aztec god of war. Um, you know, it's now 2014. The, no one knows who these guys are. They're pretty much like D-list gods. No one's paying attention. And in a world where belief is currency, Cannon Blue just have no money. And basically they spend their time just sort of laying about getting drunk until they're tricked into servitude by... The adversary, the great adversary, Satan. Otherwise known as Old Scratch. And and basically, we follow our two heroes on a path as they try to undermine Satan at every pass and get out of this like really bad deal that they find themselves in. 
I like to think of them as Rosencrant and Guildenstein, mm. but that's just me. Um, so we like this project has you know had a couple of artists, um, you know Chuck Collins, uh, co-creator. He actually did the designs, and um, you know he did a, he did a beautiful bang up job. And then you know we had some artists come on. And, and, and work on the project, but they've kind of fell by the wayside for scheduling reasons, right? All wonderful people. But you came in, and, mm-hmm. you know, you took on a project, and you illustrated one book, and, you know, it was amazing. You made, you know, I had, like, an image of, you know, the storytelling in one particular way, and you definitely brought, like, a, a, a different feel. You, you brought, like, you know, Esteban Valdez to, you know, this concept that Chuck and I had kind of developed. And I fell in love with it. And, you know, between you getting work and, you know, building and working in your studios, the project kind of fell by the wayside. Between, you know, the production on Triborough and the other, you know, uh, titles coming out of our studio, aspects just kind of fell by the wayside. But the one thing that we saw at conventions when we, you know, we put together a sampling of the book, is that everyone loves the characters. They connected to the characters. And we're like, you know, we need to bring this back. And in part of that conversation, um, you know, we decided, hey, why not pitch this as, you know, an animation? Why not pitch it for, you know, uh, Cartoon Network? Or, or maybe even go New Media, Amazon, or Hulu, or Netflix, Right? And so we came down to sort of have a conversation about that and see where we would take it. And I know, you know, not to belabor that, but part of the, you know, us working to get, part of me coming down here and working with you is the relationship that we have and me knowing you and, and, and knowing your work process, you know, and being comfortable with the way that you work. Yeah. You got to be comfortable. That's, that's, the, that's the whole part, right? You gotta be comfortable with each other. You gotta know. You gotta be able because I can tell just from looking at you where you're at. Exactly. <laughs> you know. I mean, fuck you, man. Fuck you too. See, it, there it is. That's that's, that's that's East Coast love right there. You know, people we understand it. People get it. And I think having that rapport when when you can tell what what I'm thinking. Right, and I know what you're thinking. You know, if I'm I'm laying down on a page, I can think right ahead. It's like, ah, you know, I don't think he's gonna dig that. I know he is gonna dig. Let's see if I do this, and I send it back to you. You'd be like, oh my god, look oh at this! Oh my he's, god, he's tickling it the right way. Uh huh. Oh the tank. <laughs> oh 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 the tank. Well, like when you know when you start writing stuff, you know, you send it. It's like, hey, I wonder what what, what you know Estee's gonna think, right? Let, let's see this. Oh man, I read it. I'm like, dude, dude, where you went with that? You know, it, it, you work on, the, you know, s- together, and you make things happen. It's the same thing in the studio situation with us, right? All my artists and animators who are working with me, or as I call them, you know, producer directors at this point, they know what I'm looking at. You know, they know what I'm looking for. They know what is expected, and so whenever they're passing in work, they're like, oh, hey, you know, I, maybe I should. Bring this back, revisit, and then try it again, you know, before I even take a look at it first. You know? Well, I know a direct example with us is, you know, as a, 
Because you came in, I was sure. I have like a few more issues to go in, in completing the book. And I'm like, Steve, like, and what I do with every single artist, like, what do you want to draw? Mm. Right? What do you want to draw? And you're like, at that time, you were, you know, this is going back years, you were like in a serious, like, Sergio Leone kit. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, man, I want Sergio Leone. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do that. And, and like, you know, it was that suggestion alone, I was able to take the story in a different direction and it actually, like, you know, opened up some possibilities. Just as simply by asking the artist, hey, listen, man, what do you want to draw? It's a collaborative effort, right? Right. Because I want you to, I like, I want you to and be happy. I want you to yeah. be, like, excited to, to, to I mean, be how doing can you, this. How can you really collaborate with someone you don't know? You know, how, how it happens. I mean, it happens, but... And you sometimes see it in the work. But, I mean, does the quality of the project always speak loud and true? No. No. And, and, and you, you know, can, we're you not going to go someone, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, even though sometimes the, the, the collaboration is born out of, you know, monetary means or something, or legal issues or whatever, I mean, you can tell from, from the work itself, because that's really the telltale, Right. Think of all the crap movies we've seen. Yeah. But we're not going to go down that road. We're not going to take the trip. No, no, no. I think, no. We, I think we had enough of that a little early yeah, today. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't need a cease and disorder letter. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need lawyers knocking on your door. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, collaboration. You know, I think nowadays, you know, with, with software, with the net, you know, you can collaborate with anyone anywhere. And I think people have the wrong idea about what collaboration actually is. You know, I think for a lot of people it's, you know, here's my idea, do it my way. Rather than let's come together, let's let's see what, what we can do, you know. I mean, with Mike and Wayne, I thought what I had was, you know, okay. I, I you know, had some giggles, but I, I knew being able to get other people's input as well played a critical role in, in helping it, you know, be what it was. And I think it's the same thing with comic books, you know, or, you know, even writers, you know, on a novel, you're collaborating with your uh, your editor, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a back and forth, right? It's a dance, it's a tango. It's, it's not just a dictatorship where you just come in and say, hey, do what I tell you to do. Don't ask any questions. This is exactly the way it should be. Right. And with this process, and, and with this podcast, right, we're talking about, you know, this episode of the pro- process, we're talking about the intersection between the creative and the business, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with looking at developing aspects from, like, you know, soup to nuts, right? Looking at developing it from, you know, script, the, the graphic novel, and then thinking about it as, you know... Um, an animated pitch down the road and, you know, creating the scaffolds for that mm-hmm. down the line. You know, a very important conversation that we had was we sat down for like two hours and started hammering out terms in terms of like, you know, the business relationship between Rat Ronin Studios and Echo Brick Pictures and what it looks like. And, you know, we, we, we threw down some terms. And, you know, pretty, pretty, like, we don't have, we're not going to go into it here because, you know, we're negotiating, right? But there were pretty broad terms. 
And, you know, we, we sort of, like, laid it on the line in terms of, like, hey, these are my expectations. This is, this is what I have to offer. This is what I have. You know, this is, this is what I can give. This is what I can't give. You know? And we know where, you know, we know where we're at and what we can do. And we're like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep talking. And we can do that. Why? Because we know one another. Call it like it is. You know, exactly. Collaborative process. But, you know, at the same time, it's a business and you have to protect your interests. Got to be up front. Yeah. Can't can't just, you know, walk on eggshells like you said earlier and then expect to get anywhere of significance. You got to just fucking compliment each other all the time. I mean, what's... You know, might as well just look at yourself in the mirror and do it, you know? Pay yourself the compliments. It's... Yeah, circle jerk. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta, like... I, right? You gotta look at... You gotta, you gotta look at what... What you have that you can offer. And, you know... <laughs> And then, and when you know, when you have a venture, you know, there's always going to be a sacrifice on both ends. Yep. It's just how much you can sacrifice, the degree of sac, you know, uh, of sacrifice, and you know, the equity of sacrifice. And once you kind of have those, uh, you know, issues, sort of. You talk about them, right? Yeah, well, and put, them, put them right out in the open. Be like, hey, man, this is what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do, right? And just being very frank about it, you know, because there's plenty of times I'm trying to deal with a client, right? And we're trying to talk about terms, and you know, we have the terms of service up on the site too. And it's like, hey, you know, are, are you checking it out? You know, you come to us, and you know, you're not reading it. Like, these are the terms. This is, this is what it takes to work with us. You know, it's negotiable as well. You know, I mean, there's some things that might you might not be able to do, but if you don't know us like that, you know, it's going to be hard to have that discussion. Right. You know? Rather than being like, come on. You're like, you know where I'm coming from. You know what I'm trying to do. You know, you know what it's about. You know who I am. Right? You know, sometimes, though... It's like the reservoir dogs, right? You don't know, buddy. You don't know, nobody knows anybody. But they're all working together. You know, they have to. They have to trust one another. They have no choice. And we all know what happens at the end of reservoir dogs, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a battle of blood. Oh, God. <laughs> what ever happened to Tim Roth? Okay, that's, you know, version. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, we've, we've touched on quite a few things in, in our little talk here tonight. <clears throat> that is, you know, sort of transitioning from freelance and moving into, you know, becoming uh, an artist entrepreneur, you know, starting your own company, the importance of collaboration and being upfront. And, you know, working with, you know, providing client services, but also making a, a further transition to being able to do, you know, creative work. Yep. And then, and then you know, going, moving from collaborating within the studio 
to collaborating outside with other studios, you know, to, to create content and, and, you know, and products. So, I mean, you know, we, we covered a fair bit. Here's a point where it's like, you know, and no. What is it? What would be, if nothing else, you want the audience to take away? What would be your takeaway from this? Oh, closing thoughts, eh? Okay. Close. All right, well, you know, this, our industry is constantly changing. And it's, to be an artist, to be a creative, you know, you've got to do more than what you're already doing. And you got to watch out for yourself. You know, I, I think if you really want people to notice you, you know, as the artist, as the creator of, of whatever, you, you have to really put the hustle on. You can't just stay on the sidelines of, of that industry and, and think that, hey, you know, one day someone's going to, you know, come and find me and, and make things happen. It's like, no, you've got to make things happen. You've got to go out and, and, and get it. You know, that's the thing. That, that's, that's the whole point, right? It's right there in front of many people, and yet they're you know a couple of steps away from it, and they turn, they give up, because it's not happening to them anymore, right? The, the, the whatever aspirations they had just gone, you know, or they give up too early, or you know it's not coming as easily as they thought it is. I mean, I think for for many artists and animators and writers and musicians too you, you can't just be the artist the musician the writer the, the dancer the actor you, you have to be more than that you know in, in our studios like you can't just be one person you, know, you can't just be the designer you gotta also be the the, the animator you also got to be the writer you also got to be the producer you also be a, you know right you have to be more than what everyone else is, is at this point and you can't just you know average is is a failure plan you know, you're just setting yourself up to be mediocre. You know, be mediocre, fade in with everybody else. You know, you have to stand out. You got to work ten times harder than everyone else. You know, you have to do ten times more than what everyone else is currently doing in order to make it. You know, it's hard work, and people I think either forgot what work is or never knew how. But you have to. I mean, you, you and I, you know, again that that upbringing. Most people, uh, most people never make it, you know, because whatever, they just tend to slack. You know, you have to get going, you have to keep moving, stay hungry, stay busy, you know, it's not enough to just dream, you gotta get smart. I think, um, for me, I would say that, <clears throat> you touched on the business aspect, in terms of the last thing I'd want you to you to think about those of you listening out there is that what counts the most in terms of creatively the engine that drives what will be your business are your creative ideas and like you know Steve suggested you know you gotta be out there you gotta be working and you gotta just keep moving right part of that is sitting down and taking the time and creating 
right? Because you could have the most spectacular business plan ever. You can create the most awesome um, business structure there is. You can have, you can line up the means of distribution. You can raise all the money, whether it's, you know, whether it's from client work that you do or whether it's from venture capitalists or whether you take out a line of credit on your company. If you do not have the content, if you do not have the work, if you do, if you are not like, you know, at your computer or your typewriter or, or at your drawing board or at your easel creating in those quiet moments of your life, None of that infrastructure that you build will serve you. I leave you on that note. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Esteban Valdez from Echo Bridge Pictures. Just telling you, make sure you follow us on Twitter and check us out on our blog. We tend to post a lot of helpful, resourceful articles and tutorials for everybody in order to help you get along better in your projects and your process. I'm Keith Miller with Rat Roman Studios. Um, you can follow me personally at on Twitter at Kamudi72, that's K-A-M-U-D-I 72 on Twitter. Also, you'll find my blog, Speculative Fictives, Tumblr.com, and Rat Roman Blogspot website. Um, hit me up. Let's continue the dialogue. Peace. Peace.